Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm Davon. That is Davon, not Devon, and contrary to popular belief, not Devon. And every day is a great day if you add just a little bit of me in it. Not about to play with you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Jace, and I do what I do when I do when I do. Think about that. Think about it. You'll understand what it means shortly. And I'm Imani, and I've got the questions, questions, questions. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and we would like to welcome you to the Get Right, where you can either get right or get left. This is where you can expect me and my two beautiful friends to offer nothing but our real, true blue, and unedited thoughts and opinions on all the things that connect us and affect us. How are we doing today, y'all? We're doing fine. How's everybody Ooh, mose- quarantine? Moseying on through. Always moseying. That's a good <laughs> adjective bear. to describe you, like mosey. Mosey. <laughs> mosey. But my question is, like, if you mosey in now, what are you going to do when you're, like, 70? You know what I mean? I feel like moseying is an old people thing. Hopefully by 70, she running. <laughs> I don't know. That's not how <laughs> physics works. I can mosey then. It's like a mosey now. I guess, but once you get bored? No. Oh, okay. You're just going to be moseying your whole life. It's my lifestyle. How's your guys' quarantine been? It's been good, really. I mean, besides the fact that I got laid off and I don't know if there's end in sight, but you take that out. um, It's been great. I've been doing so much reading have not even been really on Netflix and everything, just been having my head in a book, which is great because I have so many unread books, so it's time to start getting through them, and so that's been really fun. What's your most recent finished book? Oh, um, just finished the Hunger Games book, the second one. What is that called? Catching Fire. Yeah. Yes, finished that. It was really good. I really liked the first one, so I got the last one left. And I'll get to watch the movies because I've never seen them. Yes, I'm late to the party, but that's okay. Rather be fashionably late than early. <laughs> what about you, Monty Mama? What have you been up to? I have been, Natalie and I have been watching. We've been on HBO watching some shows. We just finished The Outsider, which actually was a little bit of a letdown. It started strong and started so promising, but I feel like, and like it was like a 10 episode show on HBO and it felt like the last three episodes could have all been maybe two or like one and a half so it was a disappointing end but thanks to Jace I am now reading more and I'm trying to get through this this very difficult book to get through what are you Uh, reading The Magicians by Lev Grossman what is that it's actually it was um uh oh my god what's the word show yeah but like it was yeah it was ah, it was it was made into a show on sci-fi and i loved the show and so i was like oh my god i'm so excited i'll read the book too and this completely different which is fine i just do not like the way it's written do not like it no okay that's cool so we're all reading i just finished a book called Don't Call Us Dead by Danes Smith. It's like a poetry book. It's just like mm-hmm. a book full of like poems by him. And like, it's like 
cool because like I feel like all the poetry that like I see nowadays by like that rupee cower girl. Oop. Is that how you say her oh, name? Oh, I think it's a rupee yeah, kapoor. Who, uh, milk and honey. Oh, rupee kapoor. Yeah, m- milk and honey. So like all the poetry you see is kind of like poetry that's very similar to her, which like nothing against her poetry, but like I've never personally felt connected to a lot of it. Some of it's been good, and I've liked some Ooh. of it, but I've never felt connected to it. But like Dane Smith is like a he's a black gay man living in New York who's like a okay creator. wait 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 you can't say like you have to say full disclosure because you literally described like yourself as Dane Dane Cower or his name Dane is? Smith Dane Smith and then compared to Rupi who's like a like a woman. Like so, you're, you're obviously gonna identify with someone else. Also, though, I was gonna add in, not to get off topic, but apparently, the style of poetry she did, she stole from her best friend, who was a black woman, and the black woman has oh, both of her no. poetry books on like Amazon. They're not super popular. She doesn't have a lot of success, and apparently, like Ruby, Ruby, whatever, took her uh, style because that woman was like she wrote very short poems and she didn't use capital letters and things like that. And then she saw that, copied it, and then got this huge success. That's what I saw, too. But, like, also, it was just... like, And it's nothing against Rupi. Nothing against her poetry. It's just me saying... Because like, I, I feel like even though she is a woman, I could still find some kind of connection in her poetry. But, like, even in the things I've read where she's not talking about her womanhood, I just haven't felt any connection as compared to this man where, like, he talks about a lot of serious topics that like particularly have to do with things that I've went through, have gone through or will go through as a LGBT black man. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just a really dope book. Like he talks about like, internal racism. He talks about like H- oh, HIV and AIDS. He talks about, um, oop, there go the sirens, y'all. Another one bites the dust. Ooh. He ta- sorry, too late, too early, too early, but too late to take it back. But um, he talks about HIV and AIDS. He talks about like dating apps and like grinder. Like he like like gets down to the nitty gritty. And I'm just like I was really into it. I also just finished Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, I love that book so much. I finally Michelle finished Obama, it. Purse so heavy, getting Oprah dollars. The one good I, thing Fifth Harmony ever did. Oh well, no Normani. The one Next. good thing to ever come out of Fifth Harmony. Next. <laughs> but I just finished Becoming by Michelle Obama and now I'm reading a book called Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kawaii Strong Washburn and it's really good it sounds very philosophical is it fiction or non-fiction it's fiction it's about this like it's about this family it's about this Hawaiian family and it's about Hawaiian culture and like how the Hawaiian culture ties into um these the three younger kids of this family and how these kids kind of like try to kind of distance themselves from their culture but then something happens that causes them to have to go back to Hawaii and they're like they basically have to like regain a like further understanding of their culture because of it so cool it's really good so far like I'm hella into it and then after this I want to buy another book about a Jamaican family because like hey cousins Mm. So, like, that'll probably be my next book. But, yeah, no. I haven't been doing shit, but trying to work out. It's hard to work out in quarantine. And trying to not be lonely in this apartment by myself. But we out here. But 
All right. So you guys have your questions prepared and ready to go, correct? Correct. Awesome. So then you guys, we're going to start with our first segment of the podcast called The Hot Seat. In this segment, each of the three of us has a question prepared to ask the other two individuals. And it's a question that ties into the main segment of the podcast. And yeah, let's start with ladies first. Mani Mama Yuga. Well, why thank you. So I have noticed, like, personally, I've had to put, like, a limit on the app usage I have on my phone just because I've literally, like, just spent more time on my phone slash social media than I have ever before. So I was wondering if you two have noticed an increase in your time on, like, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. And do you think that um, you're on there because you're trying to fill time? You're on there because you're trying to connect with people? And do you think this will change, like, once you actually have that social interaction back? Oh, Jace, do you want to answer it first? Um, so I guess I have noticed, mm, I guess, okay, so it's unfair to really for me to make an assessment because I was just recently laid off. So before being laid off, I was working Monday through Friday. And so I was just working most of the day. So my phone was just used to play music. That was about it. And then during the weekend, whatever, I'm watching Netflix, texting people, just being very casual. So then that's when my usage would be. And then since I've been laid off, I just really dive into reading, like I said. So I have really not even been been watching TV or really like on my phone. Um, the most I do is like text people um, and like FaceTime. I think it was like yesterday, me and my friends sat on FaceTime for probably like five hours just playing Sims together. And we weren't even really talking. We were kind of just there existing. That's cute. Um, Yeah, so I will say no. I've never been someone who's been super controlled by my phone. Like, I like it, yes. I will sneak look at it when I'm at a place that I probably shouldn't be sneak looking at it. Oops, I peeked at it in the movie theater. I'm so sorry to everyone behind me. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I don't have this overwhelming, like, addiction to it. Like, I can just get on, check Instagram, check Twitter for, like, 10 minutes each. And then be like, I'm cool. And I don't need to look at it until tomorrow. And part of that just goes because I just don't care. And it's not that I don't care about society, that I don't care about Corona. It's just like a lot of times I just am not invested in people's lives on social media, which I think is kind of like a positive because those people that I care about and I'm invested in their life, like I have direct communication with them. So I don't need updates from their life on social media. I can just contact them directly. And everyone else on social media is kind of just this face this person like an avatar it's not like a real person you know everything's that fabricated brand and I just don't really care that much and so I just don't really get sucked in because I get bored very quickly with all of that so is the question Hmm. is the question more along the lines of like app usage or just overall phone usage I would say app usage just because I've noticed I use social media as like a way because I'm like similar to Jace I'm working like 10 to probably like eight every day yeah. so I'm just like like working 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 and when I don't want to work obviously like since I'm home I have that freedom of someone not looking over my shoulder so I'm on my phone more as like a way to distract myself rather than trying to like be connected with other people and like keep up to date with what's going on um so I guess it would be um phone usage but not necessarily like productive phone usage kind of like as like a distractor is what I think I'm getting at. Oh yeah. So you know how like on your phones, like iPhones does the thing with like at the end of every week they tell you how long you've been using it. 
Mm-hmm. So I have noticed that my phone usage in general has went up, but they also give you a breakdown of like what you've been using on your phone, like the app specifically and how much time you've been spending on them. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed my social media apps have gone down a like a lot, but like really? the apps that have gone up have been, well, I don't, do you, does, is Spotify and Apple Music considered social media? I wouldn't. Okay, well, like, the apps that have gone up are Spotify, Apple Music, and then my messaging, the text messaging one, and then also FaceTime. Because, I and I think for me, for me, also similar along the lines of Jace, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care about what other people are doing, but, like, I don't care about what mm-hmm. other people are doing right now. I'm trying to figure out how to get my own shit together. And like a majority of the time that I've spent off, a lot of it has been spent in do I guess inducing myself with music. So like I spent a lot of time on like Spotify and Apple Music and like seeing what's new. And then also on those apps you can also get into other podcasts. And y'all know me, I love my podcast. So I spent a lot of time on those too. And then I spent a lot of time text messaging and FaceTiming because I like I said I'm like staying in my apartment by myself so I generally just need human connection so my phone usage has definitely gone up but I haven't spent a lot of time on Instagram or uh, Twitter and I don't have um, Snapchat or anything else I really just have Instagram and Twitter Hmm. what about you Monty answer your question I've noticed it's going up just as like I said like a distraction I have a roommate and we're very like social together so I have that like personal connection so I find it interesting that well not interesting but it's kind of like commendable to both of you that rather than defaulting to like social media as your replacement for like interaction like social interaction you actually like like, text people or call people or face or facetime people so you like actually fulfill what you need rather than fulfilling like like the like you, you go for like the like the whole food rather than like the processed food, you know, like the go straight to the source of the problem. Yeah. Thing. But um, I would say mine's gone up and I put like a limit on how like my phone won't let me into certain apps at like 11 o'clock or like 1030 or something. And it won't until like nine o'clock in the morning. So that in the morning, I don't reach for my phone and go to Instagram straight away more. It's like I have time to do it now. So I might as well rather than thinking like, I actually need to do this. It's more of like a, why not? You have time. So I'm trying to stay away from doing that and fill my time with more productive things. That's good. Putting yourself on a schedule. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. Young Jasolis, what is your hot seat question, sir? Okay. So how has COVID-19, the pandemic and, yeah, it's a pandemic, right? Um, yeah, the, mm-hmm. pandemic. the pandemic and the shelter in place mandates change your view on love and relationships and how will you navigate them with this new viewpoint post COVID <laughs> I feel like this is targeted but <laughs> it is not targeted it has literally nothing to do with you or Devon really it was just more of a general <laughs> it has nothing to do with the way that both of you navigate because I feel like both of what you're laughing about, and it's funny, these instances would have happened outside of this pandemic anyway. So it's not targeted (laughs) to you guys and how you conduct yourself. Go ahead and answer, Monty. (laughs) My wife's got to go first, but whatever. So as somebody who's in like a long-term committed relationship, 
this has been difficult to not be able to see him all the time or see him literally nearly like or half as often as I usually do. And as you two probably know, I'm not the best with like FaceTiming people. Like I'm very much so if it's, I don't know, like when I'm home, I usually don't want to be on my phone for anything <laughs> aside from what I just said about distracting about myself. Contradiction working, like, question mark. <laughs> I know, but like when I'm like, when it's like downtime or I'm done working, I don't want to be on my phone. I kind of want to just like relax and like watch something or like cook or doing something else rather than having to like be on my phone and be kind of like chained down to it. So that's difficult when it comes to not being able to see your partner because he always like wants to talk. And I'm like, I we should definitely be spending time and like be in communication because we haven't seen each other in months now. Yeah. But um it's it's difficult because it's like me having to interact with people and like not be able to like see them or like I really don't want to say like having to put effort into seeing them but low-key yeah is like very contradictory to my personality where I'm like if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't type of thing um so I wait what was the rest of your question Jake <laughs> It was just like, and then how will you navigate love and relationships post the virus now that you kind of have like a new viewpoint or understanding? I think there would definitely be a lot of value in like physically being there with people because um, I was supposed to have like a Zoom, like happy hour with my friends and some of them, some are in Ohio, some are in South Carolina and then uh, some are in California and it's just like I would so much rather everyone get together like me see my friend who lives in um, California because she like lives relatively close. So I'm, I'd so much rather like go to see her or meet up with her somewhere yeah. than have to be in my room and like FaceTime people just because like when I'm, I think it's when I'm in my space, I want to be by myself. And when I'm investing time with others, I want to be outside of that space. I think that's what it is because like when I'm here this is like my time and Imani time and like time for me to do what I want to do and when I'm with other people that's when I'm like you know like it's very spatial like um like categorizing my time I think if that makes any sense cute Ronnie Ron uh (laughs) I so it's, I like this question because interestingly enough, I was just having a conversation with my mom and dad about something like this because I, you guys know before this pandemic, I was already dating. Mm-hmm. No one in particular, but like going on dates because like, you know, like I'm, I'm looking for a rela- like something that's a serious relationship. So now it's it's weird because now we're in a situation where like, we cannot see each other like we cannot be in the presence of too many other people so it makes dating awkward and now you have this thing that's happening that's like it's literally like virtual dating like not even just dating apps anymore but like literally like FaceTime dating like people dating over Zoom you got old flames hitting you up talking about some the coronavirus just really got me thinking and I was like stop (laughs) thinking stop like please stop thinking but like also I think it's interesting because I was talking to my mom and dad and I was like I'm still dating and it's going well but I've had to stop and think to myself is it going well because I'm having minimal human interaction or is it going well because it's actually going well 
in the sense of like when I since I don't have anyone to talk to every day because I'm not interacting with any people and in my apartment by myself you do have this person or these people to talk to and like you're just so happy to have that moment where you get to interact with the other human do you guys get what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying so I've had so I've like been like I was talking to my parents about that and like trying to like further break that down and I'm still in the process of breaking it down but I do thoroughly think that the virtual dating I've been doing is generally just going well and I believe it'll continue to go well after um quarantine and everything is up that'll be interesting to see because I feel like because I know that you've done you do virtual dates already before which is great save the money save the time save the coin um (laughs) But it's different to be like, oh, we matched on an app, we FaceTime twice, and now we're meeting. That's very quick. But to like FaceTime and only text with someone for like a month or two months, it's like at this point, you're starting to subconsciously fill in the blanks about the person because you don't know yes. everything and you're not seeing them in person. And yes. so then to mm-hmm. finally see them and be like, okay, well, can we hold a conversation in person? Are we still attracted to each other in person? Is there still a vibe? Is there still a connection? So that will be interesting to see. And obviously I only want the best for you. So hopefully it goes into a very great you know, direction and that will be super exciting for you. But from a scientific standpoint, it will be interesting to see just because there will be that disconnect, which was brought up in the show, Love is Blind. If you guys haven't watched it on Netflix, even though it's really cheesy, Jessica, who is drunk, talked about it all the time. She was like, there's just a huge disconnect from just hearing someone's voice and then to actually being with them in person. So Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, no, and I've I've definitely thought over all of this and like even on the virtual dates, we've even brought it up in conversation where we're just like, this is an interesting new form of dating. But like also it's a matter of like, since this is what we have to do, what would you consider like a full date because you know how some people are like oh like after three dates we'll like do this or like after seven dates you get this title but it's like this is Mm -hmm. literally like virtual dating talking to each other through facetime so like what are the what are the guidelines what are the rules for that and like that can be kind of cool because it's like well now you get to make up your own rules so that's kind of i guess what i'm in the process of doing but that's that and that's like love romantic relationships in terms of like friendships and family relationships and everything funny enough you guys are gonna laugh when you hear me say this i think i think this quarantine when it's lifted is going to make me want to go out more oh lord jesus thank you <laughs> i've seen what you I have mean, done for others yeah. oh my god because being holed up in an apartment and like not even having the option now to go out and do something frustrating limiting yes like i'm literally just like wait so like i don't like my friends can't even try to ask me to go out like i just have to sit here <laughs> like that's so rude like i was like i don't like this and like i've gotten to a point now where like I've literally only been thinking in my head, like, oh, my God, like, come summer, me, Imani, Jace, we're going to be, like, going to the beach. We're going to be hitting up, like, Third Street Promenade. Lil Evan can tag along if he wants. And we just going to be doing what, oh, yeah, and, like, all the rest of our friends, duh. But, like, I talk to y'all consistently. 
So I would like it's been having me think about a lot of that, and I've just been thinking about like how how much fun I'm going to have when the quarantine is actually lifted. And then as far as family, you guys know how I feel about my family. I'm like in love with them and like cannot wait to go see them again. And I'm hoping that I can still, I'm hoping that I can see them hopefully within May, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep having faith with that because you guys know me and I hate going a long time without seeing my family, but we'll see what happens. But Chase, answer your question, doll. Well, oh my goodness. Not having the option to do things is definitely getting to me in the same breath. I can't go out to the bars with my friends or to the clubs. I can't just hang out with someone. I can't walk to Starbucks and waste $5 on a coffee I don't need. Like my choices have been taken from me. And then you're confined to your space. And then that's also just like a really limiting. So that's definitely something I've been battling with as well and so I'm just like I after it's over I just want to live life and make good memories not that I wasn't before but this is always just like a nice little like refresher to just enjoy things and experience things um because life is short and it's not endless so therefore we really should just be making it count and experiencing things and feeling things and connecting with people so definitely yeah. something that, uh, I mean, I already knew and I already valued, but it's just that added layer, specifically in terms of romance and relationships. I think that afterwards, I'm just going to be moving with a different energy. Not that I, yeah, I'm going to move with a different energy. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> at OU, everything was very casual. And then when I moved out here to LA, it was like, I eventually want a relationship, but not right now because, you know, I was sleeping on Devon's couch. I didn't have a job. Like, it was like, there are more important things to do right now than to mess with some man. So it wasn't my concern. Um, but I would like something long-term and meaningful. So it is something I'm working towards. So I'm just going to be moving with that energy, voicing that to the universe. And then just being more, what is the word I'm looking for? Not thoughtful, but that's kind of close. And the way that I'm intent, intent intention. yes, using, doing things with yeah. intent and being intentional. Um, and just cutting out junk and clutter and letting things fall to the wayside as they may. Um, so that's something because the whole time that I'm holed up, I'm just like, damn. Do you guys know that quote from, um, it's actually, it's either from Lemonade or it's from Beyonce's self-titled album, where it's a quote from an author. And I think it might be, um, I don't want to butcher her name, but Chimamande. Oh, you guys, wait, which one are you talking about? It's from, her name's, do you know who I'm talking about? Chimamande. Can Nagosi. you say the quote? Think, yeah. The quote is literally just like, do, like, do nothing without intention. Like and I was and like oh, you wait, said, isn't that that's more... Solange, isn't it? Is it? I think it's I think yeah, it's it from Solange. I don't think it's yeah, Beyonce. it's from Solange's album. I don't know if it's the first one or the second one, but I know what you're talking about, and that really stuck with me the first time I heard it. So yeah, that's what I'm doing because this whole pandemic has made me realize that it would be so much more fun to be going through this with a partner 
So I'm like, I'm about to hook me one. Okay. So the next pandemic, I am not alone because we are not doing this again. <laughs> not the next. The, they said it's seasonal. Ooh. Oh, my damn. Listen, and we know history repeats itself and we do not live in a utopia. So things come and things go, baby. But I'm about to have me a man for the next one because I cannot do this. So, yeah. I would challenge you though, just because it wouldn't be Imani fun loves to do a with challenge. a partner. Right. It just it just <laughs> arouses like it'll it'll test you in different ways. Cause I can say it's hard for Evan and I since we're not together, but I can also like pretty confidently guarantee that it would just be a different kind of difficult if we were in an apartment consistently together. One hundred percent. Like of the I time. do not disagree, but that's what life is as a big test, and that's what relationships are a big test. So Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I'm a simple, simple girl. I just would like to be held by some big, strong arms at night. That would just really calm my nerves. <laughs> All right. Are you guys, are you guys ready for my question? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. With everything going on in the wake of the coronavirus, everyone has been noticing flaws in either our healthcare system or our government system. What are some flaws that you guys have noticed within your personal systems? So like flaws that you've noticed within yourself and how you move throughout life, etc. You just got yeah. really deep over here. I want to tap out. <laughs> I'll go. Go ahead, mama. I'm actually going to start by applauding myself just because I have established a really like I, like before the like quarantine hit. I had established a really good um, like routine, like morning routine, and I've been keeping it up since I've been home, and I'm, it's like helped me so much. So like, it's just moved back an hour because I still got to get up and do stuff. But like, I wake up, work out, take a shower, start working, and then like eat when I'm hungry. So like, my day is pretty well. Stru- at least my mornings are like structured the same way. Yeah. So it's kind of kept me in the same mindset of you have things that need to get done regardless of whether you're in in the house all the time, whatever. But um, I forgot the question already. Wow. What are some flaws oh. that you've noticed in your personal systems? Flaws in my system. I think that it really comes for me. It comes down to that contact with other people, like putting in that extra energy to con- like put in work for their or not work because whatever Um, put in like invest in those relationships in ways that like it's just changed now because I can't say oh let's like hang out this weekend or let's get dinner this week like during after work or something like that so I have to put in a different kind of I have to invest in those relationships differently and that's out of my comfort zone and I'm so resistant to it but it's like well you have to maintain them somehow and you can't Mm -hmm. do it the way you're used to doing it and you can't do nothing because that doesn't work. So I think that's the biggest flaw for me. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest one. What about you, Jacefer? I don't really know because being a Virgo, you know, we're pretty damn near perfect. So, nigga. Of course you are. <laughs> Such a crazy question. No, I really don't know because I this like despite being laid off and the pandemic that is affecting the entire world this hasn't necessarily been a super negative time because I've been just catching up on like reading and then I'm working on some creative projects with a good old friend named Amani and 
so I'm still being productive and still connected with myself and still like reaching out to my friends and staying um, connected with them. So I don't really know what, what I would say. I guess I could do more, but that's just like a flaw I feel every day, whether there's a, p- a pandemic or not, because I'm super hard on myself. So I'm always like, you could be doing more, you could be accomplishing more. And I think that I do overthink sometimes and that prevents me from taking steps and actions because I'm like such a perfectionist um, that I won't even let myself at least attempt something and then go from there. But that's something that I've like known pre-pandemic anyway. Um, I guess this has just pointed it out in like non-essential ways. Like for example, a good old TikTok. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I should just make a cute TikTok. Yes, let me go viral, queen. And I just like literally won't make one because I'm like, I have no idea what I would do. So I just like don't. And it's like people just dance and they tell jokes and they're hanging out with their friends. It's really nothing serious. It's really not that important. Um, But like just a decision like that, I overthink sometimes. So yeah, I feel that. I feel like for I'm not okay never mind we're not gonna get into that but okay my um my thing it wasn't anything negative I was gonna just touch base on both of your guys things because I feel like mm-hmm. like Imani what it, you said your flaw was like basically like keeping up relationships kind of mm-hmm. I personally feel like you've done a good job and- I only do a good job when other people initiate it which is mm-hmm. my fault my fault Okay. And you too, like, I know that's not surprising to hear coming from me. So, you know, like, you believe me when I say that. Okay. And then, Jace, when it comes to the things you talked about, I feel like we have discussed that a lot, though. Yeah. So, but, like, also, like, I think it's, um, because I've, like, always, I haven't, I've never gotten on you, but I have always thought, like, you have amazing ideas. You are a creative spirit. And I'm just like, I want to start. I do want to see some of the shit that you think of just like come to life. I know. It's so crazy. I know I need to work on it. I've really been thinking about it. It's just so hard. And I know like, I guess kind of sounds like an excuse, but I have like 20 different ideas every day. And then it's like, which one do I pick? And then how do I accomplish that? And then it becomes like burdensome. But I know that I'm going to figure it out. Like I know that I will. And I will start moving in the right direction and things will start happening but we're getting there day by day all right well i'm gonna answer my question and i think may i think maybe my answers are along the similar lines of you guys but i think the biggest flaws i've found in my personal systems have been one first and foremost i am i think i've always known this but like over this quarantine, I've realized I am way super fucking hard on myself because I always think to myself, like, I'm I'm the person who, like, if I get a B, I look in the mirror and go, why the fuck didn't you get an A? Mm-hmm. So, like, and even right now, as someone who, who has also, pers- I have also been laid off from my job because my company, my company has laid off a bunch of people. But I got laid off just this last Monday and I had to have a question with myself because I got laid off on Monday 
And I wasted no time trying to find another job. Like literally as soon as I got the call that I got laid off, I got on LinkedIn, changed the date, changed the end date to like, oh, okay, like here was the end date, like looking for new work opportunities, reach out to this person, reach out to that person, apply to this job, apply to that job. And I was like, damn, I was like, there's something that I admire about that in myself. Cause I was like, I, ha- I think I have a go-getter spirit. So I was like, that's at, that's what I admire about myself. But what I hated about it was that Tuesday, I got laid off Monday. Tuesday, my ass woke up and I was like, how the fuck you ain't got no job yet? Ooh. And I like, and I literally had to like sit with myself and be like, nigga, you just got laid off. And like, we're in a pandemic and everywhere is closed down. So the chances of exactly. you getting a new job were slim. They're slim. And then I was like, they're especially slim within the matter of like, 12 hours so like (laughs) maybe take a breath and like I've had to like and like I've had to pull myself back and like get myself back in gear and like realize like yo like you were you were following the right amount of time that is meant for you to follow right now meaning that like you're going to have to go through a process and there's already a set out process for me. And I just have to allow myself to go through the process and not be so hard on myself while I'm going through it. But then a second thing I've realized is that similar to Jace, I, I do think a lot of the times I do think a lot of the times I have great ideas and there's so many cool things that I want to do, but my issue is never starting them. It's finishing them. Oh, same. So like, it's like a matter, it's like a matter of like, I will have this great idea and I'll put all this work into it in the starting phases. And then like, I'll like start going into it somewhat. And then it gets put on the back burner. I forget about it. And then I never revisit it. But then I'll like come across it again, like a few months later. And I'll be like, damn, why didn't I go further with this? So, like, that's something that I've been working on a lot since I've been on quarantine because it's, like, now I have time to work on creative projects. And, like, outside of this podcast, I've been I've been working on a lot of stuff that I'm happy about. And I, and I really pray and have faith that it can go somewhere and that I could – and that it could hopefully become something bigger. I just have to keep working at it. And I've been trying to be more disciplined with myself in that aspect. So like whenever it comes to work and jobs and a career, I've always been good. I've always been disciplined. I know to get my work done. I know to do my job. But like whenever it's come to like my own creative work and my creative project, which I always preach I want to do, is when I'm not disciplined with myself. So I've been forcing myself to be more disciplined with myself and saying like, hey, um, you want to curate playlists? All right. Well, then like we're going to do like every Friday you put out every Friday you put out a consistent playlist and you do it and you do a series because you want to do this. You like doing that. Yeah. So then make it a schedule. Write it down. Remind yourself about it. Literally, literally nag the fuck out of yourself to get the shit done because you want to do it. Or even, hey, did you write that? Did you write that song? Did you? Where's them chords at, nigga? I ain't heard no chords in a minute. Where them chords at? So I'm mm-hmm. making sure it's like, oh fuck, I didn't finish that song. We make sure I finish that song. Now I've even gone into the process of like looking into like equipment and like since I don't have a job, I don't I don't necessarily have the money to devote to buying it. But like I've even like thought about the option of like 
making a GoFundMe or something of the sorts once the pandemic is over so that I could start looking into buying equipment and yeah, just being more disciplined with myself and like also in other areas, letting up on myself a little bit. Mm. But yeah. Wow, you guys, I really like those questions. So now are you guys ready to go into our main segment? Yep. Awesome, awesome. Thank thank everyone so much for listening. Please stay tuned as we lead into our main segment called Life After the Rona. And we will get back to you in just a few. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for staying tuned in and not going anywhere. So we are going to start with our main segment for this episode called Life After the Rona. As we all know, major events have been known to shape and change society in America in lasting ways and impacts. Events such as 9-11, the Great Depression, the 2008 financial crisis, the 1918 flu pandemic, and we're now in the age of COVID-19. A lot of changes made in the aftermath of impactful events can be unfamiliar, unsettling, or all of the above. The question that stands, though, is how will coronavirus impact and change life currently as we all know it? So, me, myself, and I, I read an article from a website called Politico, which is an American political opinion company, and the article was called Coronavirus Will Change the World Permanently, and here's how. Basically saying, like, nigga, there's no opinion on this, like, it's going to happen, and here's how we're going to, here's how we think it's going to happen. They basically grabbed opinions from like different scholarly sources, like college professors, doctors, etc. And they got their opinions on how COVID-19 will affect community, technology, health and science, government, elections, the global economy, and also lifestyle. So I picked a few opinions and thoughts that I thought sounded super interesting and I'm curious as to what you niggas have to say about them. Mm. So, do you guys want to hear the first little opinion? I'd like to hear the last one. Thank you. I would All like right, him to bitch. stop with the country bumpkin accent. <laughs> but the first, the first and foremost opinion is that Peter T. Coleman, who's a psychology professor from Columbia University believes that COVID-19 has the impact to break America out of its long pattern of escalating political and cultural polarization. Do you guys know what I mean when I say, like, polarization? Yeah. Okay. So he's basically saying he thinks that after the quarantine is lifted and coronavirus, I mean, the shit's not necessarily going away, but I guess when it's safer, he thinks that there will be a decline in polarization and he thinks that it will occur immediately after the coronavirus. And he thinks that polarization will occur in politics and also in culture. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think <laughs> that's a, it's funny that you um, bring this question up because I was watching the Joe Rogan experience yesterday and he was interviewing Burt Kreischer. And they were talking about, do you guys know who Burt Kreischer Do you know who Joe Rogan is? Yeah, I know Joe Rogan. You're saying names, babe. (laughs) Okay, so so Joe Rogan and Burt Kreischer are both comedians, and Joe Rogan has this podcast um, that he's got like a thousand or so plus episodes, and he just interviews people. So he's popular. 
Yeah, he basically just has conversations with them. So he was talking to Bert about it, and they were talking about how already it's united people in some type of like more of a superficial united, but we're not as polarized to use the word again. Yeah, like um, like Joe Rogan own he's a gun owner, and he's noticing now that like his friends who have liberal wives who would say I would never have a gun, blah blah blah, are asking him now like, oh, where did you get your gun? Where do you store it in the house? Like, where did you take the lessons for it? Blah blah blah. Oh Just because like at, like people are scared, so there's not so much of a difference between you and your neighbor anymore when both of you are attacked by the same thing, rather than attack, rather than interpreting attacking from the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I feel like I I don't notice this on my own. So I'm only repeating what they said about the like pseudo everyone coming together. Um, I really actually haven't noticed that much about it. But after the, the um, pandemic, I would hope that we would. But I'm also kind of not sure just because I haven't seen any evidence of it right now. Chasefer, what do you think? Yeah, I think it sounds a little idealist because if you just look at ever like if you just bring up all of the events that you had mentioned before COVID, they did not soften our polarization. We are still polarized, so I just think it's a very yeah. idealist way. And like Amani said, right now everyone's kind of superficially getting along, and that's because you know it's a hard time and it's a scary time. But also, this is a situation that is affecting the 1% and the wealthy. Um, and those are who are who are in power. If this was something that was only affecting the lower classes, the working classes, and those who don't have power, we it would not be that big of a deal. And it would not be this unifying thing. So I just think it's kind of, uh, like I said, idealist. It's, I don't really think that that is going to happen. So... No, I feel the same way because as soon as I read this one, I was like, well, I need to know when exactly this man said these things. Because when it comes to cultural polarization, we literally just got done talking about how Asians are being discriminated against because of the coronavirus. Right. So where's the where's the joint togetherness? Exactly. Like, I'm not necessarily seeing it. In all honesty, I'm not necessarily... I guess people are coming together in the sense of like there is a common enemy. We have to defeat the common enemy and like we have to put our shit to the side for right now to get this figured out. But also I feel like when it comes to when it comes to the other major events that have happened, I think that's always happened. There's a common enemy. Let's defeat this first. So let's put our shit to the side. But once this common enemy is defeated, we're going to go right back to like hating each other and being divided. I agree. Just because you always need an antagonist. So right now, we just happen to have the same one. And when it's over, we're probably going to have to go back to the one we knew before this came. You know what I mean? Exactly. I agree. And that was my one thing with that one. I thought it sounded... Sounds beautiful. Who who doesn't want a utopia? But, like, also, it does sound rather... Hey, you're kind of maybe pushing it if the flu pandemic didn't bring people together afterwards i don't think miss roney will either so that was my only one on that one but the second opinion was that sherry turkle a social studies of science and tech professor at mit believes that the end of the end of coronavirus will bring about a healthier digital lifestyle she thinks that 
as a people, we can use our time with our devices to rethink the kinds of community we can create with them. And she believes coronavirus is breaking open a medium with human is breaking open a medium with human generosity and empathy. So what do you guys think on her take of a healthier digital lifestyle after Corona? It sounded like a bunch of words. I wish she would have gave examples because it didn't really sound like she was saying anything. So I think a lot of the things she was tying in is that she's saying one example she used that there was a Broadway star who on their Instagram knew that there was a lot of theater students, both in college and high school, who couldn't perform their pieces anymore. So that Broadway star knew they had a following on their Instagram and the Broadway star went live and allowed these students to request to go live with them and have their performances on their platform. I again, go back to the same, the first person it's happening because there's a reason for it to happen. When this is all over said and done people, America, our society, and this will get, cause I'm sure we'll get to political and everything, but based right now, our American society is very individualistic and we only care about ourselves and our immediate family. We do not care about the country and other people as a whole, even people who claim that they do when you actually talk to them and you hear how they act and certain things that they do are just very self-serving. So I just think, okay, right now, yeah, because that Broadway star had time. She or he was not on Broadway. And of course you feel bad when you see you know, anyone who's like suffering and upset. And it's like, we know seniors who lost their senior year and kids who lost their graduation and people are losing family members and so on and so forth. So of course you're going to reach out and you're going to extend and you're going to, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. But then as soon as we resume, resume back to normal life, it's like those kids are now performing at school and the Broadway star is back on Broadway. So there really isn't a need. So again, I just think the pandemic is creating a need for empathy and so people are playing it out right now and going along with it. What do you think, Moni? Can you explain more of what do you mean by like the social, was it the social media that they were emphasizing? Yeah, she was, well, she was emphasizing digital just overall, but from what she mentioned in her quote, it sounded more along the lines of social media. If mm-hmm. I could be quite honest, I read her quote and I was kind of just like, I would probably be able to agree with this if she gave more examples. But a lot of the things she gave were in terms of Instagram Live. And I Mm -hmm. was just kind of like, well, yeah, sure. So there's a few people who find it in the kindness and bottoms of their heart to open up their platform to others. But then there's other people who are just bored. Right. And they're just getting on social media and Instagram live because they I, had they literally have And I don't think it's do. that crazy though, because it's like there are celebrities who are like, retweet this and I'll cash up you. You know, and I know like Nikki gave scholarships out through Twitter and you know, some yeah. girl, like some dude bought her a laptop on Twitter and so on and so forth. So it's like we've already had some form of empathy on social media. Now it's not rampant because we know uh, social media can be a very toxic place but it is there. So I don't really think it's new. You're just seeing it more because people have time and there's more of a need. I, I don't, I don't want to make the mistake and say that I don't believe it's altruistic. I think that the people who are doing these acts, who are letting people use their platforms, who are using their wealth to like help others. I think that's great. No, yeah. but I feel like it's, 
very convenient that they have a like a reason to do it now like if you really wanted to like help people and and some people are like some people are just continuing the good work that they've been doing before the pandemic hit kind of ramping it up like that's completely fine and acceptable i understand that there's that out there but um i just i just feel like you know when people are like record themselves like giving a hundred dollars to a homeless person yes that bothers yes. me yeah i'm like what's the point of why can't you this? just do it and go like if you why can't you just do it exactly so i mean it's a little different now just because social media like that like the act of being on social media is for everyone to see but this woman report like you just see more people reporting on it now and i'm like that's unnecessary because if it's out here and it's doing the good work it's going to spread naturally and they shouldn't be and I guess they're not doing it for people to report maybe they're not and this woman or these people are choosing to report on it because there's nothing else to really talk about and they're like I guess it could be trying to find like the bright or like the positive positive um vibes or stuff like that but I just I don't I don't think that I think I kind of mimic what Jace is saying like people are being nice because they're bored and there's nothing else to do and this is such an intensely negative thing that everyone in the world is dealing with right now so they're trying to counterbalance that like crazy but once that's gone there's no out there's no obvious reason for you to have to be nice you know what I mean like there's no there's nothing you have to counter exactly I think I think the three of us are kind of agreeing on the same thing, but I think now that I'm also thinking about it, like I said, there's always two sides of my brain and they're like feuding back and forth at every point in time. And like the other side of my brain is like, hey sis, like maybe, just maybe, people also just want to be kind and they are, and like there is a pandemic that's happening, but like they also would do this in other instances as well. So I guess challenging but that defeats her point then because she's saying the pandemic is changing the way that social media is used will be more empathetic if you're saying everyone who's being empathetic was already empathetic beforehand then the pandemic did not change them it's just we're reporting on it more like amani said that is true not to interrupt so sorry i don't know no you're fine you're fine that is very true i think i'm trying to see it from a point of i don't know i think because what we are saying is true but also trying to see the lighter side of things you know what i'm trying to say i get yeah i get what you're saying it's just like and i'm not like i'm not a negative i feel like we're too much of yeah i'm just a realist and that's really what it is after just like getting my good college education um i just like you just know how things work and how things like operate like for example Devon he had me watch Pose and we've kind of talked about the aid crisis a little bit and that's something that's very important in queer history that's something you could compare to um, the COVID pandemic going on different but you can still make comparisons and so you just talk about the way that gay people were vilified and the amount of misinformation Okay, now you would you could assume based on what these people are saying, people develop empathy and we're less polarized. Okay, well, after the pandemic was over, what happened? It took us so many years for gay people to be able to easily adopt children, to be able to get married. Um, And you come up to this point in time now to where we still cannot donate blood. I did see that the FDA, I think it was them, I don't want to confirm or uh, someone, the health organization in our country was easing the no gay men donating because we're in a pandemic, but they didn't remove it. 
So even in time of crisis, they still refuse to remove homophobic laws. So I'm like, it's just based on our history point blank period, you can, you know, revert and say the opposite of every one of these quotes, just based on the way that our country has gone. Now, maybe this is the one pandemic that's a catalyst and completely changes the whole functioning of our country as a whole. And maybe it will be that. Who knows? I You'll have to hit me up after this is all over and done. But from now where I sit and where we have set in history, I'm like, you guys are just being a little too optimistic and not really looking at previous facts and statements and things. Yeah, no, I think definitely. that's, yeah. I agree that we're not that everyone's like, oh my god, this is crazy that this happens never happened before. Like, nope. It has. It's yeah, <laughs> like like obviously it's never happened. Like this moment is unique just because social media is a thing and everyone like access to the world is much easier. It's easier now than it has ever been. And so it's a little bit more intense now, but well a lot of bit more intense. But you can like Jace was saying, you like there are elements of present day that are comparable to many historical events and moments. So nothing happening now is something that we could have never anticipated or could never have evolved from previously, you know, like nothing is going to surprise us too much that this had never happened before without sounding naive, you know? Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next opinion, which actually touches base with Jace. You recent, you like earlier mentioned something about individualism. And Eric Kleinberg, who is a sociology professor at New York University, believes that the coronavirus pandemic will mark the end of our romance. This is a quote directly from him. Will mark the end of our romance with market society and hyper-individualism. Thoughts. So like, yes and no. So I don't know how many more questions you have and where you're gearing the conversation. So I'm trying not to be like too wordy in case they come up later. So in a big grand scheme of things, I hope that this pandemic will get people to vote, will get them active in politics, will be demanding that the way our government runs and what they choose to fund and how they support people and don't support people is changed and things are changed for the better. That is what I would hope. But then again, just based on actions, you can refute his comment because would you not say for the woman or man who walks into the grocery store and buys 10 packs of toilet paper, 10 things of wipes, 10 things of milk and leaves, and now the, yes, and now the stocks are low and all the families behind them are unable to get things for themselves. So again, I just don't really, it just seems like these people are just trying to be very idealistic and imagining the best thing possible, which I think is doing this article a disservice because it's like, I get what you're saying. And you can say, I hope this wakes the people up. A great example is the stimulus package. They pulled $2 trillion out of where? Because last time I checked the debt clock, we were $17 trillion in debt. We didn't have money for homeless people. We didn't have money for, you know, equal access to education. We don't have money to protect the environment, so on and so forth. Where did this $2 trillion come from? So people need to start answering questions. And so again, in that regard, I hope that we start changing the way we interact with our government. But just on the basis and where we're at right now, before we get to that point, people have been individualistic because they have went to the stores and stockpiled and prevented other people from getting things, you know? So that's 
something that's happening. And then there are also the people who still go out. Why? Because they think they're invincible and they don't care. Okay, that has to do exactly with them. Not everybody else. They're not thinking about the people with immune, uh, with compromised immune systems that they are potentially putting at risk. They're slowly thinking about themselves. So I would battle that yeah. person to think a little bit further. And based on the actions that you've seen, do you feel like that is something that is true or not true? I feel, I feel, I don't think coronavirus is going to do anything of the sense and make us a, an, ex, an extremely communal kumbaya, we're all missed together community. I don't think that's the sense. I do think, however, coronavirus may open our eyes and start to make us realize we are individuals, but we're individuals in one large community. And hopefully it will start to make people think just because I don't directly have access to someone or directly know someone does not mean in some way, shape or form our fates are linked. So therefore what I do does is going to have an impact in some way on this other person. And then that person is then going to impact someone else. And then by the time I know it, my entire community is impacted by just the one thing I've done, I'm hoping and I do believe there's an inkling of me that does believe that that will happen. I don't think we're going to become like this big kumbaya nation. Um, I think that's America has years and years of work to do before something like that is ever to happen. But I do think that we'll be as a community and as individuals in a community, we'll all be better able to see how our individual fates are linked and how we as individuals can make it so that like things aren't as hard or difficult for everyone else, therefore also ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just kind of, yeah, Amani or Devon, if you want to keep going. No, Amani, mom, you got something to say? I, I agree. Like, I, I feel like not such a pessimist, but un, like, I'm so disappointed, not disappointed. I don't know. I'm saddened that I can't only focus on the positive things like that will happen because I'm like too, too I'm not going to say I'm hardened by the world, but I'm like too, <laughs> too aware to believe that it's a possibility. Like it's, it's, it's a nice thought. It really is. It's a, it's a great thought, but like Jace was saying, people are have a tendency to pay attention to what they want to and ignore what they don't. Yeah. So if you're going to tell me that, Oh my gosh, these people are like, like, um, like uh they're helping other people on social media they're some people are reducing like like the student loan interest is gone like you don't have to pay student loans like september that's all great and stuff but then also like like he was saying like toilet paper is hard to find grocery stores are like but actually now that i'm thinking about it that was i feel like that's the initial thought like that was out of fear completely under not not completely but like understandable because everybody was just scared to shit yeah literally scared to shit and that was the initial individualized thinking which is like i need to make sure that me and mine are okay and regardless of you even considering other people's situations because people did not like did not think about whether their neighbors needed toilet paper whether their like grandparents like 
didn't care about anybody else. But I wonder now if there are any efforts. Like I see the things on social media where it's like, like someone left out um, packs of toilet paper and hand sanitizer for delivery drivers or delivery workers. And like, like yesterday on the inter- on the interview with um, Joe Rogan, Bert Kreischer said that he was like completely thankful for someone working at Rite Aid, like in the middle of the night, they had gloves and masks on and they were still out there doing what they needed to do to, um, to help like to like do their part to help everybody get through this. Like they didn't have the luxury of being able to stay home. So I think there are little things that people are doing, but I'm cautious to say where the intention is like where it's coming from. Cause I see, I think, no, go ahead. Go, go, go. I think I think I'm also in my mind I'm also thinking those things that have that I have seen on social media where it's like those people who are doing good things and who are having less individual less individualistic ideals I'm kind of like I am hoping since social media is a platform that like gives you access to so much there's a there's a lot of people who are able to see this and then also think to themselves that I should also adopt these exact same ideals. Given, yes, you could also think like, you could also argue people who do good things do it from a selfish mindset because it feels good for them. But I'm I'm not really thinking about that right now. And I'm also more so hoping that the people in our community become less individualistic. Yes, I'm hoping that. I'm hoping that governments that govern our people become less individualistic and maybe they have a thought of like oh wait the coronavirus didn't just affect poor and marginalized communities it also affected my white rich ass so like Mm. maybe i should think about how in a way maybe they should be thinking if it could affect me this 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 might sound fucked up but like hopefully they are thinking if this could affect me how could i make it so that we never run into other issues like this so then therefore i'm not affected and by default others around me are not affected do you guys know what i'm saying here's i see what you're saying but there's a problem with it at least from what i see because if this old richardy white man is saying how do i prevent this from ever happening to me and mine again then he puts in inst- or then whomever it is puts in institutions to protect themselves rather than paying attention to whether it protects others as well so there are like plenty like um oh, like taxes like they want to reduce taxes because they don't want their money taken away but then that takes away from public services that yeah. help welfare and like public education and things like that so I feel like it's a double-edged sword because you want people to be able to be like, all right, how do I help everyone? But their everyone is a very limited understanding. So it's not like everyone, everyone. It's just everyone that I can see. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> this is a lot. It's just... To, because I also <laughs> think, though, there are issues. We're not going to say there aren't. There are tons of issues within the Black community, the queer community, the women's movement community, whatever. But you also think about really hard and trying times and a lot of people at the bottom, we can shut our mouth and put our problems aside and link arms. Throughout history, you've seen it happen. The people who have not changed and have stayed as they are, are the people in power. They are wealthy, they're wealthy, they're rich, they're above it all, and they continue to be it all. And I don't think 
there's two options. Either all marginalized groups have to come together, like I've talked to you guys before, and really have to unify in a movement and really put our feelings aside and really just start demanding like immense change or the people at the top have to start caring, which based on history, I don't really know if they're ever going to give a damn. And it's one of those two options are going to take the chain that's going to cause change because I just, it's not. And the thing is also though, it's just, yeah, that's what needs to happen. And the problem with the people at the top changing is like, that requires them being in discomfort, okay? Us at the bottom, we've been in discomfort. You know, you've been pushed, you've yeah. been prodded, you've been made feel less than, you've had to struggle, you've gone without. And the people at the top live in these comfortable lives. And then that's where it becomes hard and problemsome because it's like, okay, you see that people are suffering and you want to help them, but you helping them also means giving up certain luxuries in your life and you being discomfort you being uncomfortable is that something that you want to do and a lot of people don't and I don't and it's not I don't necessarily pass judgment on them because there was like a a passage in um between the world and me uh that I mentioned before where he was like we allow certain things to happen to other people's children that we don't allow to happen to our own and he was directly referencing how like a lot of white Americans allow black children to be brutalized and killed by police officers, but they would never allow that to happen to their own child. And yeah, I'm not going to directly vilify them because no matter who I am as a person, if I had children, am I going to let something bad happen to them? No. So you understand that gut reaction to protect yourself and to protect your own. But then it's like, how do you find the commonality? How do you find the middle ground between like survival for you and your people, but also just general survival and support for the community, the population, the country as a whole? So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. In that, but in that respect, though, like I think after hearing that, in my mind, it was like it's 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 easy for me to vilify a person like that who like yes, of course you're gonna want right. to protect your own, you're gonna want to protect your child and whatever and whatnot, but like also, how could you? I think it's just I think it's like a, it should be a common human thing to have like empathy or sympathy when you like see like. You wouldn't let a cop harm your child, but you're okay with that happening to another child. You're something. And it goes off. back to the di- the discomfort. So the option is to live their life how they are, unaffected. They are unaffected by police brutality. They are living completely fine, or to step in and then bring discomfort to their life, whether that's losing half of their money, whether that's switching political parties, whether that's no longer having private schools whatever it is and then that's where people start getting uncomfortable i'm not saying i agree with it but i'm not saying it just complicates things i think i think that is something that like i because i i get what you're saying but like i'm still that's something where i just got to say different strokes for different folks and we all got to figure out how to work through it because that's that's all that's also something where i'm just kind of like I could say I know I know what I would do. I know how I would be, but I don't know how others would be. So mm. I'm just gonna. And we need more though. That's the thing though, because you're a good world. person. You care about people. You want the world to be a better place. So do I. So do Amani. But we're three people, and I don't think three people are worthless. And we can't do anything. But it's like we need more. 
So it's like, we need the people that are on the same page, the same mentality to start working together. And that includes crossing class bounds. We can't just have the marginalized people who are like, I'm struggling from this coronavirus, this shelter in place. We don't, we can't just have them. We also need the people at the top that are like, this is unfair that these people are suffering like this. And it needs to be a joint force to go after the people in charge, which would be our government. Mm-hmm. Mani, any other lasting remarks? No, because I'm just very, <laughs> what's, I keep mixing up the words. What's the word when you just don't believe in other people being good? Oh. Are you nepotism? Oh. Not nepotism, no, LOL. That's <laughs> giving people jobs because you know them. <laughs> Are you a cynic, maybe? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Cyn- yeah, cynical. Being cynical, yeah. Because I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, but there are like, cause you're like, oh, we have to find people who like are on the same wavelength than us. And I was like, yeah, but they're never going to be on the exact one. Like the three of us aren't even on right. the exact one. Like we go about it doing differently. We value different things. We have the same, like, I feel like, like, you know, like, um, uh, when you like watch beauty pageants, everyone's like, oh, world peace. Like everyone's like, that's great. But my way of go- differently. Exactly. So like, if we're all like, like, like even like the civil rights movement, everyone's like, we need to have racial equality. But then you had um, uh, Malcolm X saying, I, we can have racial equality. You just need to leave me, my people alone so we can do our own thing. Then you had MLK who was like, no, everyone needs to work together to get like where we need to get to. There's just so many different ways about solving the same problem that I feel like that's really the roadblock that everyone ends up hitting when you're trying to solve anything, get anything done. That's very true. That's, you know what? Because I feel like this could be a conversation for another episode. So I'm gonna. Oh, it really can. Yeah, be. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna say let's in this this in this opinion right here and go to the next one. But the next opinion is that someone, I Jin Po, who's the director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance and caring across generations believes that the coronavirus pandemic has revealed gaping holes in our care infrastructure as millions of American families have been forced to navigate the crisis to navigate the crisis without a safety net. He believes the crisis what will unleash widespread political support for universal family care, which would be a single public federal fund. Do you guys know what universal family care is? Mm-mm. so it's a single public I've actually heard the idea thrown around a few times um, it's a single public federal fund that we as a people all contribute to that we all benefit from and that helps us take care of our families while we work from child care and elder care to also support for people with disabilities and also paid families. So it's like leave. universal health care right? so which a lot of European countries have universal- Yes. It sounds like that mixed with retirement. Yes. So it's universal. A big part of it is universal health care. But then there's also just the general self-care and well-care and well-being of others, which is like retirement, paid family leave, et cetera, et cetera. Thoughts? Oh, my God. The craziest thing, let me tell you, hold on. I disagree, I disagree with him as well. But I was so funny is when we were like doing the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, this episode is so cute. Guys, we recorded so many episodes you haven't heard yet. I was like, I really feel like this should be the first episode. It's running so smooth. We're all talking, everything's clicking. And now I'm sitting here like, wow, this would be a very depressing first episode. Because me and a <laughs> but it would be, over it here. It would be a good it one. Would. 
but I'm just like such a realist again, like I'll say, because think about you go, you just take something like taxes, which Imani was saying, you just take that people already don't, they don't like paying for government assistance because they're like, why should I have to pay for some woman who has six kids and three different dads and she doesn't want to work? Why should I have to? And that's just how a lot of people function. It goes back to our individualism um, Individualism. and people who Mm -hmm. just want to hoard wealth and they don't really think for the whole community. And I don't really think that this is going to change it because again you could probably look up a bunch of other pandemics and a bunch of other illnesses and bring them up and people are like no like i'm cool on that they were cool on that they didn't oh my gosh i know that yeah i saw when they were discussing the stimulus package i don't want to quote on what they were saying but there was a certain group of people who they didn't want to give money to And I'm like, okay, that makes absolutely zero sense, like whatsoever. That seems really wrong and irrational. And so it shows you even in a time of crisis, they're still not comfortable with giving everyone access to money. Let's talk about how immigrants don't have access to money. Immigrants, not immigrants, undocumented people. I'm not going to say illegal. I disagree with the term illegal and aliens, but undocumented people. Yeah pay into taxes. I want people to realize that undocumented workers pay into taxes and they do not get tax refunds. They paid, so their money went into the government, which is now a stimulus package, and they did not get any money from the stimulus package. And I just want people to think about that. And there are a bunch of people are going to be like, well, that's what happens when you're an illegal. Cool. So even in a time of pandemic, you can see people are like, they don't really care. They're like, it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. So I don't think that people are going to be like, oh my God, yes, we need universal health care. Let's do it. Let's jump on the one. Nope, it's not going to happen. No one's going to want to pay for it. So. What do you think, Monty Mama? I, okay, someone said something and it reminded me of this movie Natalie and I watched the other night called Train to Busan. And it's completely not related but so I the movie, about this movie you like three times zombie movie like, this year i know but like You've you're the third it? person to bring it up in like a two-month period of time oh really what's the name of it again <laughs> train to busan it's on netflix oh i have no idea what that is <laughs> so it's a korean zombie movie and this man is trying to take his daughter to see her mom on this train as this zombie like pandemic is happening in korea and there's this one man on the train who is the definition of individualism he will manipulate everyone around him to save his own ass he literally like sacrifices people so that it works out for him um that's like loosely related to what we're talking to just because people will default to individualism because we're all in the well we're naturally in the mindset of survival so they're like as long as i'm good then i'll live i'll survive i don't really care about other people just because that's like i can't bank on the fact that they're going to help me as well i feel like that's a factor i don't really know how much weight it has just because it literally pops into my head yeah but um can you remind me what we're talking about again so we're basically talking about the political support for universal family care slash health care to become a thing um, I agree with Jace because if people are already fighting taxes now, they're not this as as horrific and traumatic and exposing of problems as the coronavirus is right now. It's not 
I don't believe it's to the point where people are like actually going to have lasting change. Like, like Jay said, they pulled this stimulus package out of the ass and they couldn't have done that before when it could have like probably put in um, institutions to have prevented this from affecting so many people so drastically. So I highly doubt that afterwards they're going to, they're probably going to try to find every other way to, prevent this from happening again with that will probably put a bandaid on it that will not really solve the problem but they're not willing to make the sacrifices necessary which would be to financially support people to protect people like protect people's health protect their safety which would protect everyone from everything they're not going to make that because it's going to take too much money away from the people who have too much money you know what i mean yeah so how I feel in terms of the universal family care slash health care um, and political support backing it is in the sense of I do not think I do not think something like that could happen for us now. I think it could happen for us at some point in the future. And I think that maybe coronavirus can be something that we all look back on and use as an example when we say this is why we should have universal family care and health care. Um, but I do not see that happening for us anywhere, anywhere in like the super near future, only because our, our government's a fucking mess and there's so much shit that we have to clean up before our government can even try to put something to in, to put something in act as universal family care. Um, but that's my take on that. What do y'all think? We said our points first. You were the last person. I'm nigga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, He's okay. not wrong. Though. <laughs> but okay. So let's go to the last opinion I chose. And art. Oh, I don't want to butcher baby boy, baby girl's name. I'm going to just say a fung. A. Fung, who's a profet- who's a citizenship and self-government professor at Harvard at Harvard University, believes that coronavirus might begin the growth of a new civic federalism in which states and localities become centers of justice, solidarity, and far-sighted democratic problem solving. Those are a lot of words in that it one. It is. And I think what he was trying to break down was that he believes that cities and states so basically smaller governments will kind of start to use their voices and powers more when it comes to the national government Mm -hmm. in the sense of what he was trying to use as an um what he was trying to use as as an example which i thought was actually really interesting was that he said we're gonna look back on this and we're gonna see how smaller parties did did better and bigger things compared to the national things we have in state. So for instance, he was talking about the University of Washington compared to the CDC and the Vi I read an article on this actually, but there was a lab at the University of Washington that was working on bringing substantial like COVID-19 testing and they were working on bringing the test in earlier than the CDC actually got them in and they actually ended up getting the test earlier than the CDC did. And then another thing he would, another thing he was referencing. And another thing I think we can reference as being three individuals who live in California 
California was, if not the first, one of the first states to start enacting social distancing and self-quarantining. Mm-hmm. And as Jace mentioned earlier, when we were all talking, that's gotten us in a good position because now we're starting to beat the curve. So I think what he's trying to get at is that as Americans, we're going to all start noticing the power in our local government and people as people as of noticing that power are going to start using their voices and power more to infect to not infect to affect the national government so what are your guys thoughts i don't think so (laughs) i no, i was gonna say i don't think so i was gonna say it's been done so i just really like peter like what are you saying like this has already happened you can take California for an instance. California was one of the first places that recognized and allowed same-sex unions and then marriages compared to the rest of the country that took forever to catch up. So it's like local governments have been doing certain things, but you can even go in the negative. There are a bunch of states that like have very strict re- uh, restrictions on abortion and those restrictions are not everywhere else, but in those places. So I like it's, I think it's already something that has happened. And I mean, it would be nice for people to realize the power of their local government. I guess my only problem is I could see it to go, I guess going back to being like a cynical person, even though I'm really not, but I could see it causing problems. Like if the states start doing too much and start like upshining the huge federal, the national government, then that's gonna be a problem. And then I think they're gonna start like cutting fundings or regulating what states can and cannot do and things like that. And I also don't want to see an uprise in states making negative decisions based on a few small beliefs. Like, so I personally don't agree with abortion restrictions and a lot of states that have those restrictions are due to religious purposes. And so I just don't want other states to start taking things and going in a negative direction because that's their own belief system. So yeah. yeah, I think, of course, if you're looking at things from how I think, of course, if you're looking from a matter of like how things could positively how like this, how like the positive effects that could come from this, this is this sounds great. Like this sounds amazing. Like, oh, yeah, because I like, think of all the positive we could do with it. But then when you do think of the negative, um, given negatives are different to different people, everything is in black and white. But when you do think of the negatives, it's kind of like, oh, but like this could also be bad right like think to say if there was a cure and like okay you know there are certain um religious uh groups and belief systems where they don't believe in certain medicine now there's not a state that operates that but imagine if there was a whole state that operated with that belief and so they just would not accept the cure to be sent to their state and would not give it out at hospitals even if half of their population disagreed and wanted the cure. And now those people are kind of stuck. And especially in a situation like this, they can't just pack up and drive to another state. Like, what what are you talking about? And so again, like you were saying, the negatives could be very drastic. So I encourage states to realize their power, but it just gets iffy because it's like, states having a lot of power works out when you agree with what they're doing. And then it doesn't work out when you disagree with what they're doing. So it's kind of like a catch 22. What do you think, Monty? I am cynical. Surprise. <laughs> so, that should be your new your new uh, intro to the show. Hi, I'm I've a got Monty questions and I'm cynical. cynical. 
I don't I don't think so. I don't think what? Best question. I don't especially when there's something as tangible as money involved, I don't think that the cause and effect will be as quick. I think that like with something like gay marriage or yeah, something with something like gay marriage, it's it's like kind of intangible just because the resistance against it could be fought. But we see how like how tooth and nail people will go when it comes to, you know, the check they bring in. So I don't think and I, I, I'll applaud any state or like local government that you know, makes laws to protect their people and kind of questions the federal government as to, hey, we're doing this and it's working. I wish you would, you know, take into consideration or like show that you value your people the same way we are because it's working. But I just don't have enough faith in the government to think that they'll actually do it. A good, fair question. Uh, Not a question, a comment. Now it sounds like I'm echoing. It's not like I'm echoing you guys. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, it's like the California, that's a great example. So yeah, California acted first and they started the social distancing, whatever, and that really helped us here. And that's a great positive thing. But then at the same time, I know the government as a whole was talking about, oh my gosh, we have to immediately get these homeless people into houses or it's literally just going to start ripping through the streets. And then so for California, for example, I don't know if they were in on that conversation or not. I don't know the logistics of how much they were talking, but let's just assume they were. Then the question is like, oh, but you guys know you have a big homeless problem. So how come before the pandemic, it wasn't important to get them into houses and get them jobs, but now all of a sudden you can get them into houses and jobs. It's like priorities have shifted. Yeah. So it's just like, States can, I don't know, this, they can exert their powers in good ways and they can insert their powers in negative ways. But I do think it is something to remind, I don't know, I think it is something good to note, to note though, because it's California's not the um, only one. I know there were, um, I didn't read the article, but I got a headline that there was some community in a state when as soon as it started happening, they just like cut the whole community off from all the surrounding areas and they now don't have any cases at all within their community. So I'll have to check on that and talk about it in another episode because I don't have the logistics. But it is great to remind people that like you don't always necessarily have to function as one conglomerate body. You can kind yeah. of maneuver within. Um, because for example, we know that the government knew Corona, the first Corona cases happened in December, which is why it ends in 19. So it's like we've known since then, they knew since January that it was going to be a problem. They didn't start acting until now. So of course, it's a pandemic and things are falling apart because you had all of these months to figure something out. And I don't know what they did. I don't know if they twiddled their thumbs. I don't really know what the problem was, but they did something. So it is a great, uh, I guess, reminder um, that you can kind of be a smaller body within a big body. But then it just brings up the question of like, equality in a sense you know what I mean I think that's why so much of Amani and mine and your divine our comments are about the government as a whole it's because we want everyone in the country to have a nice existence to enjoy their life to enjoy their family and to have these positive things um so that kind of just brings in the question you know if you're a smaller body and you're able to make these positive changes that's like great but then how do we like replicate 
that for a majority of the people because we can't have one just one city or one state where things are great we kind of need it for everyone so I think I have a question to pose when it comes in reference to what you said about um now 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 some states are thinking all right the homeless population it'll spread rapidly through those so we have to start getting homeless populations separated and put away would would you guys argue that in a matter such as that where there's people who constantly preach about how we need to help homeless people and like help the homeless situation now that there's something finally happening to help them would you guys argue that we as a people should still second guess and question that? Or would you guys argue that we as people should be finally, we as a people should finally say, we as a people should say, finally, something's being done? Or should we argue? So I don't know what has been done because I don't think the federal government has taken any action on it. It was in discussion. I know I saw that. I don't think they've done anything. I know my roommate saw that he saw somewhere. All they did was make squares with a duct tape in a parking lot. Oh, I see. That was Las Vegas. That was Yeah, and told the homeless people to just stay in a square and you're fine. That's not really... Also, I don't... Like, I mean, yes, there are, like, homeless communities, so I'm not going to, like, take that out. There are, like, tent cities and everything. But, like, a lot of times you'll just see one, you know, one homeless person by themselves. So it's like, okay, if they're there on the street by themselves and everyone's sheltering in place at home, they're already six feet away from everyone. So you making little squares on the parking lot is not really doing anything. Um, So one, that is kind of just like not really fixing anything. Um, I would say accept the help, but you should still question and you should still raise your voice because the problem is, is if you had all this money and the resources to do it now, that means you did, you had the same resources before. So how many homeless people died, got sick or abused X, Y, Z, because you just didn't want to fork out the cash, but now all of a sudden you have a conscience and you want to fork it out. And then the next question is, because we're sitting, we're in pandemic mode. A bigger question is, what about post-pandemic? Because I can already tell you, even if we set something positive in place, are they going to uphold it after the pandemic? Probably not. I very easily could see the government ripping. Thank you so much for staying at our governmental houses, but it's time for you to go back to the streets. Like I could see them doing that. And then no one would bat an eye. Everyone's going to drive their Teslas and shop on Rodeo Drive and eat at Nobu and no one's going to care. So it's like when people do things, I think it's fair to question them and to question them further because there are just a lot of factors that play into it. So I, I kind of agree towards the end of what you were saying, how the like how the the measures they've taken now are kind of like band-aid effects. So it's like, great, you've made squares and parking lots and great, you've made you've gotten, you know, you've sheltered homeless people now, but they're it's not sustainable. Like that's not going to, that's not helping them beyond this immediate situation. So I, I really question how much it's helping because it's helping only for right now and then it's weird right because it's like oh i can help you so you don't get the sickness and die in the street but once it's over i'm not helping you so you can still die in the street due to cold infection hunger like it just it makes no sense so it's either you care about homeless people or you don't i don't want i don't want a half-ass approach so either do nothing and let them get wiped out which i wouldn't be surprised at a government like ours to do 
or you step up and you help them. And then this help is continued post pandemic because uh, I don't want to go into it because we could have a whole episode on homelessness, but so many like homelessness is something not, it's not something that people choose. And a lot of times it's something that just happened to various factors out of their control and they just need a little bit of help. Like, you know what I mean? And because the government failed to help them, it's now they're at this extreme point of homelessness and poverty. Mm-hmm. And then not to mention a lot of homeless people are mentally ill. So that yeah. brings up health care and mental health care. Like there are just so many like issues. So I don't want to divert too far, but it's just, I don't know where it's going. I just think just like a lot. if you really wanted to help, you'd be able to actually help, not just assist, right. you know? Exactly. Which we are. We're very capable of helping the homeless. We just choose not to because a majority of people don't care. It's just not prioritized. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Especially even though it's definitely something that should be prioritized because you have people who are constantly complaining about the streets being crowded or dirty or L.A. being dirty. And it's well. And the big factor of that is because, well, there's homeless people on the streets who have nowhere else to go and have nowhere else to put their things. And they don't have the proper places to be clean be cleansed and like shower and like relieve themselves so of course the streets are going to be dirty they're going to be crowded a big way of us fixing that is by fixing the homeless population in the situation and figuring out how to help them so that that's not that's no longer the case um and i do i do think it's interesting that now all of a sudden it's a priority but it's a priority because it could possibly affect the greater good but then once the once the enemy's taken care of and it's not affecting the greater good anymore will it still be a priority so i do get what you're saying um yeah (laughs) so okay those were my those were the opinions i picked out what did you guys think this was a good little conversation i think this was the most grounded conversation we've had so far Yay. It was good. I love utilizing my education that I gained. So Yes, because we are educated niggas. Educated. All right. So do you guys wanna do you guys wanna um oh my god, I just blacked out. Oop. Do y'all do y'all <laughs> blacked out? Not do y'all wanna do y'all have any final takeaways or anything from the conversation and like any final points you want to make? I'm cynical and I don't believe in anyone. <sighs> she is cynical. I My question, and I feel like Devon might be a really good person to go on this journey with um, just because he's good at research. Um, but I'm just really curious because I'm kind of, it's not that I'm cynical. I would just say I'm a realist and it's based on history and the way things have been done all of these positive and utopian and idealist solutions and comments and outlooks just seem a little like jaded and not correct to me. Mm -hmm. But I do think change is possible. So I would like to have the greater conversation on how we think we can make change in this modern age, because, you know, we've had the end of slavery we had civil rights we had the women's movement we had the gay liberation movement why what do we need to kind of have similar movements to continue to make changes in these modern times but then also a more warped philosophical question is do we think that it kind of connects but doesn't connect so it's kind of like 
people are like, oh, you're not actually free. You just have the idea. You you think that you're free. You know what I mean? Like you think that you have choices, but you really don't. And so to kind of flip that on the side, like, are we actually making change or has the governing body given us enough change to appease us? Mm. And I think that's a very fair thing because there are a lot of things wrong in this country, but they've done enough that we're appeased and that we're not moving with the same vigor that we were when we had previous movement. So that is a conversation that I would love us to get educated on and have in the future. Hopefully we have a few positive conversations mm-hmm. before we get there. Well, I feel like I feel like something to go off of that though is to almost say so like all the things that you said that have caused and brought about change, end of slavery, civil rights movement, um the women's rights movement, LGBT movements and pride. I think we can all say that positive change positive changes have been made and came from all those things happening but with positivity is always going to come negativity and like there's net like nothing is ever going to be perfect do you get what i'm saying that's true but like every but like also the things that are the things that are positive that come from all the, the positive change that comes i think we as a people have to start doing a better job of realizing like things are not things are far from perfect that is true but like damn look at how far we have gotten and how much positivity we have had happen and like it's it's been proven and it's been shown to us that we can do it so i think i think so much as people we get so in our heads about like the negativity and how the negativity spews from things that are happening. But like, we never think about the positive outcomes. And I think so many times when you think about the negative outcomes of things, it actually makes you want to make less of a change because you just keep thinking to yourself, well, nothing's ever going to change. It's just going to always be negative. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So I just, I don't know. I think I just want to see, I just want to see us as a people viewing yes see the negative you you need to see the negative to figure out where things need to change and how we can make proper change but view the positive as well so that you can have it in your mind that hey this is possible Mm, mm -hmm. um i guess that's my takeaway what what about you Monty? um she said she was a cynic you missed that (laughs) Ah damn. Girl, yeah, just make that your intro. I'm a cynic, but I'm I'm like I'm a I think I'm a cynic, but I'm also a positive person, so it's very confusing. That's me. That is literally me. I would call you and Jace, we've said this before. You just always have a question. You need answers. Love an answer. I don't So I wouldn't call you a cynic. I would just call you a, a nigga who be talking. I rarely get answers that satisfy me enough to not spark any other questions though. We know. <laughs> <laughs> we are aware. <laughs> but okay. If y'all don't have any other takeaways, you guys, thank you so much for listening to our main segment thank of the podcast. You. Yes, thank you. Hi mom. We, we, <laughs> Oh, I guess hi, mama and daddy, if y'all do listen. But um, we are going to now move into our last segment of the podcast. I thought we was over and done. We are not done. The last segment of the podcast hopefully will bring some positivity to everything. So 
Thank you for listening, and please stay tuned in. Be right back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the conclusion of our podcast. We are going to end the podcast now with a segment called Quote Me, in which the three of us are going to state, talk about any random thoughts or things that have crossed our minds this week that are a takeaway. I cannot stop burping. Ew. That are (laughs) (laughs) taking any random quotes. Um, not quotes, any random thoughts or takeaways from this week are from ourselves. Um, I'm going to start. The segment is called Quote Me also. And I'm going to start by saying today, actually, you guys know me. I watch church on YouTube. I tune into Miss Sarah Jakes Roberts every Sunday. Jace has seen her a few times when he was here because I love watching her on YouTube. And today she had Today, she um made a comment about having little faith and I guess how we as a people need to elongate the amount of faith we're willing to put into something. Hmm. And she talked about a scripture from the Bible where she said, where I can't remember the exact scripture, but I know the story because I know the story by heart. And it's where Peter, see, there's a big storm happening. And Peter sees God, or not God, Jesus, walking towards him on the water. And then Peter asks, if he basically says, if that is you, command me to walk out on water towards you. So then God says, okay, well then like, come forth, come walk on the water towards me. And Peter starts walking towards him, but then he gets sidetracked and he gets kind of I guess like discombobulated and he loses sight of God and then he starts to drown and then he looks up and like while he's drowning he starts saying like wait no like please help me please help me and then God says uh he says child of little faith why did you why did you start to doubt me and she talked about how when you hear the term little faith you start to think to yourself like Oh, little faith. So like someone who doesn't have a lot of faith because the term little just amounts to, oh, like you have a incy, bancy, wincy, tiny little bit of faith. Like it ain't a lot. Like you got just a little bit, girl. But she said, if you look deeper into it, it's not saying that he has a little bit of faith in the terms of like the amount, but it's saying that his faith doesn't, his faith isn't, um, it's not forever basically like it doesn't elongate like it doesn't cover everything it's like he has spurts of faith basically so like when something's happening he'll have a little bit of faith and then something else will happen and he'll lose that faith and it just got me thinking because especially right now there's a lot of shit happening and there's a lot going down with I I got laid off from my job and Jace, you got laid off from your job and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we have to stay home and be quarantined and there's kind of like not a there's not an exact answer on when things will be normal or okay again. But um I can say at least for myself personally, I I've had to keep reassuring myself that, hey, you've been in situations like this 
and you always you always come out more than okay so why allow yourself to freak out and lose faith and get in those little get in those little spots or areas where you start to question what you're doing or you start to question what for me personally because i believe in i'm a christian you start to question what god is doing for you so i've had to always as especially lately just question myself on how far my faith goes and question myself on when I choose and decide to have faith. And I've had to, I've had to start being more thoughtful on my own faith and like believing in faith. And I think one thing that a lot of people are missing as of recently is that people don't seem to have or like support any kind of faith in anything anymore or like any kind of hope and i just really i just really want us all to know that like yes like we've done this conversation analyze what you see in front of you and take note and move how you decide based off of that but it is also it is okay to have faith and it is okay to have some hope. It's not It's not stupid. It's not dumb. And it's not dumb of you to have faith or hope. And I think so many times as a people, I think a lot of the times why people don't confess or say what they have faith in or what they have hope in is because they're scared that their faith and hope might be tried or that what they had faith or hope in doesn't come into fruition. And then they're scared that happens, then they'll look like a fool. Mm-hmm. But um, I would like to push everyone to continue to have faith because also uh, some, another quote I read today, every prayer isn't meant to come into fruition. So just because one prayer or one bit or ounce of faith didn't come into the fruition you hoped it would doesn't mean that another prayer won't happen. Because the God I am under is a generous God. And I can say that, like, yes, everything I've prayed for has not happened for me. But, like, also a, a matter of a lot of the things I've prayed for, maybe they weren't meant to happen. Maybe they weren't meant to happen for me. And looking back at some of that stuff, I realized I was not meant to be in that place or have that prayer answered for me because there was already a path aligned for me. So keep the faith and keep hope and yeah yeah hmm. Hmm. it's beautiful <laughs> i just wanted to copy about it i feel <laughs> you yes uh, i like that that was really good because i was oh, i don't want to go deep again but you say not every prayer meant to be answered you hear a lot of times there are people that go through hardships and they'll say like i prayed that like god would take my life and, and it doesn't happen that way. And then they normally get out of this situation and they become these huge inspirations for more people. Um, and so without mm-hmm. getting like super deep or anything, it's just like that's something that I thought about and I thought was really cool. Cause it's like, like you said, not every prayer is meant to be answered. So there are a lot of people who pray to die. They were not granted with that, that prayer. They yeah. were given life and they now are doing wonderful things in the world. And so that's kind of just not where their journey was supposed to end. So that was really great. And as someone who's normally the positive one in the group, although it does not sound like it based on our topic today, I concur on what you 
what you say because <laughs> I've just been so casual the whole time like my boss was like oh my you're like the guiding light for me during this time and I'm like I'm so happy I could be that for other people because I'm just so we're gonna get through it we've gone through worse we're fighters we're troopers there is positivity and end and things will return to normal and hopefully we have some type of change like we've talked about we will get there in due time so yeah and I encourage everyone to have like I don't know why this this has always been the song for some reason I have to sing it whenever times are hard and you guys are gonna probably be like nigga why is that the song but like literally whenever times get hard the first thing I sing to myself is we're gonna be all right like the little ariana grande song cute and i don't know why that's the song you would probably amani doesn't know who ariana grande is shut up she doesn't have a clue (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't have a clue she said ari hold on let me look that up it's ariana grande thank you it is Uh, i mean everyone still says grande at this point but yeah Dude, what are your guys' takeaways? What about you, Jason? I was going to go to Amani, but um, for me, I just think that uh, life is meant to be enjoyed. And people say that, and it's going to be said time and time again, but I just would like to concur it and to continue to say it because how, you know, Devon was talking about, oh, I think after this, I'm going to want to go out more because I don't have that option. Same thing. So many of us are not seeing families and friends and loved ones, and we're not going to our favorite restaurants. We're not going to the park. And so it kind of just reminds you and connects to what I was saying earlier, that you should just enjoy things. Time is limited. Life is not always what you think. Did I really think at 22 I was going to be locked in my apartment during a pandemic? No. So you never really know what is going to happen. And so you should just enjoy music and books and tv shows and friends and moments and you should make moments that you're um happy about and you should chase things and i'm also starting to think that you shouldn't always um necessarily wait for things like if you want something you should get it and then if it turns out to not be what you need then that's okay because on a whole other conversation my virgin ass is so ready to get laid and i picked the i picked (laughs) the wrong time because we're in a pandemic and that's no longer an option so it's just like really yes, to just, dick is illegal right now oop. so it, it's just really following illegal. it's really following your heart and your spirit and your mind and just enjoying things that you like and going after things that you like so yes that's what i have to say and that's all silent because <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'm i'm like all right money follow up sis well Mine is about finding happiness in the smallest moments. And I have been sleeping in the middle of my bed. Okay. And (laughs) let me explain. (laughs) So it's the smallest thing. So I have like a full size bed and I usually sleep on like one side specifically just because usually like I always gravitate towards one that's like on the night, like near the nightstand where I put my phone, blah, blah, blah. But I've recently been, like, just kind of shifting to the middle, probably because I'm, like, like it's starting to, like, form to my body on the one side. But I'm laying in the middle, and I can, like, stretch out, and I can, like, move my feet to, the sm- to like, the cold side, and I get to lay on the, both the pillows, and one's soft and one's hard. And it's literally 
that like it makes me smile like I'm excited to get in bed at night and curl up and I literally like just roll around because I'm so happy about where I am and in the mornings I'll lay there not because I'm tired not because I don't want to get my day started but because I'm happy where I am I'm comfortable in my own bed I'm thankful to have this bed to have a home to like be in the position where I am and that like the smallest thing about laying in my bed and having space to stretch out and like the fact that I have a bed that I'm comfortable. Yeah. I'm just thankful for it. Thankful, yes. I love So that. go ahead and laugh at me about laying in the No, bed. that it was just you were taking a long point, but once you got there, it was very beautiful. <laughs> it was great sentiment. And I Exactly. Agree. And it was funny at the time. Being, yes, it was funny. Mm. It was funny until you got to your point. But I agree and I like that. And it matches with mine and it matches with Devon. And I love how we didn't plan this and all of our little takeaways kind of unify for a positive message to send out to the beautiful listeners of the Get Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's like, let this be him. <laughs> no, I just wanted to be cute. I just wanted to say it. That's all. <laughs> so, I think that's where we can end it. I think that's a positive note, friends. Yay. So, thanks for listening. Yay. Stay safe. Thank you guys so much. Hi, Dad. Please, thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to tune in and listen send questions we need we should set something up to do that um maybe i'll make a gmail but yeah or a twitter account we have a lot to set up this thing needs to be rolling there's a lot but we're getting there we're doing one step at a time but thank you guys so much for listening please continue to tune in and thank you for being there Bye. bye bye bye